This podcast is made possible by Avalara and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is James Danina of Snow Software, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 513. It's Jack Sweeney. Just last month, we welcomed back CFO Kelly Steckelberg of Zoom Video Communications back to the show just in time to hear about her first quarterly earnings call, which she convened only a week earlier, and that is after Zoom went public last April, of course. We were pleased to catch up with her and discuss this notable milestone for any and all CFOs. We begin after these words from our sponsor. If you're responsible for the financial well-being of any company, you've probably have heard about Avalara. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue-generating activity. So Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage tax compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than a 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash leader. Avalara. Tax compliance done right. Can you, can you recall some of the factors that played into that decision? 
public company. So we hired a head of FTA, we hired a general counsel, and eventually hired a head of investor relations as well as internal comms. So those are all people that we needed in roles that were really important for us to get ready for this milestone. And then we, of course, focused on our internal processes, ensuring that we had a great change with our sales organization to forecast accurately, to roll that up on a weekly basis, and sure we all felt good about that. We also spent a lot of time focusing on our close processes to ensure that we could close timely and do it, of course, accurately, as well as we implemented the new accounting for Revenue 606. That was a big, important, you know, project that we needed to get done before we decided to go public as we didn't want to have to restate. We wanted to have it all done retrospectively, which, which we did. That was great. So making sure that we had all of the team in place and the processes that gave us confidence that we were ready to be a public company. And then, of course, the other really important side of that and aspect of that is the business itself. And the business was at a stage that we felt confident that the size made sense, and we were really excited about the prospects of becoming a public company and how it could actually further our business. We knew that the awareness of Zoom would be raised by becoming a public company, as well as getting people disability into our financials would help them understand the size of the company because people really underestimated how big we were and the size of our customer base that we were serving and that getting some visibility and enlightenment into that would be helpful for our business and it has proven to be so. Well, clearly, uh, with a win of only 18 months, you went public, but I'm just curious, uh, did you anticipate this to be uh, when you first joined? Did you see it being two years away? one year away, or were you close to where you expected it to be? Yeah, we were really close to where we expected. When I was interviewing with Eric, he gave me a general timeline of what he thought would be the right time frame for us to go public. But of course, we were really committed to, we weren't going to sacrifice anything in the process to accomplish that. And so we set a goal for ourselves, and we worked towards it, and it was an aggressive goal. But we felt really great about where we were, and we you know, modulated things along the way to get there, but we felt really great about being ready, and as a team, decided when it was time, for example, to file the S-1, and when it was time to actually put it public, ensuring that we were we felt really good about everything that was coming along with that. Now, you mentioned, uh, it was, I think it was almost your first item you mentioned to us about uh, achieving that cadence with sales, and this is something so many... Uh, CFOs are, are seeking to sort of fine-tune to get that cadence, uh, you know, in step with finance more and more. You did it with a, a really short window here. And I'm curious, as you look back, what uh, what did you get right right away? It seems like I have to believe within your first 90 days, there was a milestone achieved. Well, I was fortunate that our head of sales, Greg Holmes, and I had worked together previously. So we already had a great level of trust and transparency between us, and I think that's really important that, for me at least, the CFO and the head of sales relationship is more of trust. And we look each other in the eye and be like, okay, tell me what you're really going to do this quarter. And then you might adjust that for an internal forecast, a board forecast, or external forecast. But being in sync about what's sort of the closest to the pin number, I think is really important so that you can forecast actually as a company find your spending appropriately, and sort of that trickle-down impact starts with that very highest head of single number. Now, you mentioned 606. That was clearly something of a, I call it 
have to believe your your uh, earnings call a week and a half ago. You couldn't have botched that. I mean, for multiple reasons, you're using the platform that you're trying to reveal to the world is so effective and what have you. So, um, in many ways, that earnings call, as much as it's being the first, talk about pressure. I don't know. But you have to deliver and, and, and reveal to everyone now that how effective the platform was in the same call. Am I uh, overstating that, or is that, am I being too uh, dramatic? No, it's absolutely true. We really raised the bar for ourselves by not only is our first earnings call, so of course we have to ensure that our processes, our flows, our forecasts, everything is done absolutely perfectly and accurately and on a timely basis. As well as, as you just said, we are highlighting the power of what we does every single day and on video so people can see us. And it creates a whole new level of transparency, I think, for investors and the research analysts to see the management team. So it was Eric, our CEO, myself, and our head of IR, Tom. And they could see that, right? They could see how we respond, our body language. And I think that the reaction to that, the response to that, has been overwhelmingly favorable. They really like it. I've talked to both investors and research analysts since then, and they love the format. They love the interaction that it created. They love, again, the visibility and transparency. They could see it to us. And for us, I think it was also really great. I loved it that you could see the way you did it with the research analysts for talent. And so when they were asking questions, you could see them. And I loved the interaction that it created. It's much better than talking into a black box and peers up to a black box on the phone and not having any idea how people react to it. And anybody out there sort of thing. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a much better format for all of us. Now, this is interesting because I have to believe there are quite a few companies out there that are set in their ways and haven't considered video or have thought a little about it, but just think it might be a little problematic. Uh, it would seem to me, too, that the management team has to take care. Body language speaks volumes. Uh, am I right? I mean, this is a, a visual medium as well now. It, it absolutely is. It's, to your point, you have to be thoughtful about body language. We were very thoughtful about the aesthetics of the room. Our wardrobe, all of that really comes together because it's a different level of production that you're doing now. And what we're doing, working on, is Tom and I, along with our marketing team, is putting together a case study that we can share it with other companies, other CFOs, CEOs that want to think about embracing this new approach, but don't quite know how, how we did it and what the piece that it came together because we spent a lot of time, of course, with our special services team with our training team internally to figure out what's the best way to approach this. And now that we've done it, we can take those answers and share those with other companies. Do you, uh, during the call, are you sharing, and, and maybe this is pretty common, but are you sharing visuals, uh, non-numeric visual charts, etc.? Uh, do they take over the screen and then it returns to you folks around the table? Well, what we did was we did do slides that we did a screen sharing, you know, presentation that highlighted the different scores and that's that we were giving. But we also did it so that they could still see us. We said, you can't be talking to the the speaker, but we were still visible even during the time the slides were being shared. Now, I would assume that uh, perhaps technology-oriented uh, companies are perhaps the first adopters of video when it comes to these types of earnings calls. Do you think I'm correct about that or no? You might, I don't know. I don't know. I think that it will probably be 
I'm guessing companies that have relationships with Eric or with me, that we have the opportunity to talk to them about how great it was, how we did it. I think those will be the companies that will gain comfort the most quickly around that. I would assume that there are some customers already that, that we know, and we can help share with them how, what our experience was, and give them comfort that it's a great way that they should consider using it for their earnings calls as well. I just want to jump back to um, what you shared with us just in regards to uh, how you had that 1F DNA person with the, uh, the Excel spreadsheet when you arrived and how you adopt this technology, a technology platform or two that to help you uh, begin to get the visibility you wanted. Had you, in a prior life, uh, been in a similar situation? Had you been part of a team that adopted a new piece of technology? I mean, what gave you the confidence that you could get that all done and in place uh, in time? Yeah. So, so, yes, I've implemented systems many times in my career. And what gave me the confidence, I think, was two things. As I was interviewing for the head of a role, I asked every single person, tell me about the systems you like. What, what are you seeing? What do you think is important? So that I kept gaining my knowledge and getting it updated in terms of what was currently happening in the field. And then when I found the right person to lead the team, making sure that he and I were really aligned around, okay, we have some really aggressive goals here. Are you up for it? And, and he was. And so it's it worked out really great. As a CFO, is this your first company going to take it public? It is. Uh, in a previous role, I got all the way up to sort of the end of um, preparing for a roadshow, but then the company changed course at that point. So this is the first time that I have been really acting as a public company CFO. Well, congratulations. And let me give some back. Any other experiences you think back now, uh, specifically for taking a company public? Um, uh, anything that it sits in the back of your mind uh, or having gone through the experience, you say, you know what was really helpful for me? Having done that. Well, I actually think it's the fact that I've had many different types of finance and accounting roles in my background. And what that's done is given me a visibility across kind of all aspects of finance and accounting, working with a sales organization, having different experiences, for example, with great GCs, which is a key partner in this process for me. All of that sort of culminated in, okay, now I'm ready to have the role as CFO, and then preparing to go public is just building on, okay, how have I seen my other bosses do this really well? How have I seen that communicate? Talking to, not being afraid to ask the questions and talk to lots of people along the way. And the other thing for me was I've also done a lot of training in public speaking, Standing in front of people, finding the style that works for me with being a public company CFO, which means spending a lot of time with investors, telling the story for the company, and having already had a lot of experience in training, that was really helpful as well as it came time to the roadshow, and even now as I continue spending a lot of time with investors and telling the story for Zoom. CFO Kelly Steckelberg shares her 12-month finance leader priorities. After this, the business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. 
We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Hi, it's Jack. We're happy to uh, once more have uh, CFO Kelly Steckelberg join us. We last spoke to Kelly the fall of 2017, at which time we asked our traditional question, what are those experiences you feel prepared you for a CFO role? I thought we'd share her response here and now once more uh, as sort of a backgrounder for the discussion you just heard. Here's Kelly Steckelberg.
Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.